step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. RealEstateExpertOnline.com. Your personal financial revolution starts now. Go to RealEstateExpertOnline.com. That's RealEstateExpertOnline.com. RealEstateExpertOnline.com. Your NBC Sports Radio update starts now. Wide open at the open. I'm Jeff Biggs, and it should be quite a finish tomorrow at Carnoustie for the 147th Open Championship. After three rounds, a three-way tie atop the leaderboard with defending champ Jordan Spieth, Kevin Kisner, and Xander Shoffley all at nine under par. Spieth shot a bogey-free 65 today, which was only bested by Justin Rose, who tied the course record with a 64, and then... Tiger Woods today gobbled up six birdies and put himself in contention with a five under 66. I played well today. I really, really did. I hit a lot of good shots, and I I really didn't feel like I really made a a bad swing until 18. I really felt like I had control of the golf ball today. And on top of that, I made some longer putts, which was nice. And the golf course was was gettable. And... uh, I didn't want to be too far back if the guys got to 10 on the par today. You know, I, I had to stay within reach, and five is, you know, is with, definitely within reach. Well, Tiger will tee off tomorrow at 9.25 Eastern time, four shots off the lead. And don't forget, you can see the final round of the Open exclusively on NBC. Saturday baseball is underway, but some breaking news off the field. According to multiple reports, the Mets have sent closer Yuris Familia to the A's for a couple of prospects right now. Game two of the Subway Series in the Bronx. The Mets down to their final three outs, trailing the Yankees 7-3. Aaron Judge, number 26, a solo shot in that game, and that helped the Yankees increase their lead. They're playing two at Wrigley today, and in game one, the Cubs lead the Cardinals 7-2 in the bottom of the eighth. One final, the Blue Jays beat the Orioles 4-1. Reports that Baltimore is looking to move closer Zach Britton this weekend. And with bad weather in the Northeast, a couple of games postponed. The Phillies and the Padres, also the Braves and the Nats in D.C. I'm Jeff Biggs, NBC Sports Radio. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. Whether you swing a hickory shaft mashy niblick or the latest titanium hybrid, golf is your game, and the Boy Scouts need you. To be specific, the California Inland Empire Council of the Boy Scouts of America need your help in joining them for their 10th annual Golf Classic at Los Serenos Golf Club in Chino Hills on Friday, August 10th. 
A continental breakfast and a lunch are included, and we tee off at 7.45 a.m. Proceeds will help to offer young people responsible fun and adventure. It's time to make the Tri-City Center in Redlands a regular part of your weekly shopping experience. Tri-City is home to a wide assortment of quality businesses, including the all-new Ocean Aquatics. Check out their variety of exotic tropical fish along with fish food, accessories, and tanks of all shapes and sizes. The Tri-City Center is located just off of Alabama in the Tennessee exits in Redlands. Visit the Tri-City Center today and find out why it's called the Mall with a Heart. When Michelle lost her job, her home, and her children because of her addiction, she was desperate to make a change. She felt hopeless. Then she discovered Cedar House Life Change Center in Bloomington. Their staff showed Michelle how to live drug-free and be the mother she always knew she could be. You know what it feels like to be trapped in your addiction? Too many people in our community feel that way every day. That's why Cedar House is here, to help with a range of residential and outpatient care. To support the mission of recovery, visit cedarhouse.org, where they say, Come grow with us. This segment of broadcasting brought to you by Tender Hearts TLC Incorporated. Tender Hearts, the helping hands for your loved ones, where they understand it can be difficult to find time in your already busy schedule to attend to all the needs of your aging loved one. Tender Hearts will be there for your loved one when you can't be. Tender Hearts TLC helps your aging loved ones stay in their home as they specialize in tender, loving, 24-hour service including transportation to doctor's appointments, medication reminders, meal preparation, light housekeeping, and assistance with activities of daily living such as hygiene and grooming, orientation, and companionship. We thank Tender Hearts for their support of this station. Tender Hearts TLC, where they don't just care for your loved one, they give them tender, loving care. For more info, you can reach them at 909-528-9759. That's 909-528-9759 for Tender Hearts TLC. This is KCAA. In the Inland Empire, you know how much it means to have neighbors you can count on. Like the Cookout Kings, who invite you over every weekend for Burger Palooza. Well, here's another good neighbor you can count on, State Farm Agent Joe Amlani. He and his team are here to help life go right when you combine your home and auto insurance, which can save you money and time. So combine home and auto and start the savings rolling. Call State Farm Agent Joe Amlani, 909-894-4619 today. If you're looking for a full or part-time sales position and you have radio, TV, or print media experience, KCAA has a great opportunity waiting for you that pays the highest commissions in the market. KCAA is the only station in the IE that broadcasts on three frequencies, so advertisers receive three ads for one low rate. This makes KCAA a must-buy for every local business. If you're interested in a sales position with us, email CEO at KCAARadio.com. News, weather, and talk on KCAA 102.3 FM, broadcasting to the Moreno Valley, Corona, and Riverside. You've heard AM, you've heard FM. Now, tune in to DM Radio, the world's longest-running show about data. Each week, host Eric Cavanaugh interviews the brightest minds in the world of information management. Want to be on a show? Send an email to info at dmradio.biz. Now, here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh. All right, ladies and gentlemen, 
Once again, to DM Radio. This is your host, Eric Cavanaugh. I'm on the road today, so if my voice sounds like I'm far away, that's because I am. I'm at the OSCON conference with O'Reilly, the open source conference, learning all about Kubernetes and how we're rewriting the rules of enterprise software design, deployment, and maintenance. And i got to tell you, it is absolutely fascinating stuff. But at the end of the day, it's all about the business. It's all about how you improve business operations and open up new doors and new opportunities. And, folks, we've got a wonderful show for you to talk about all that today on DM Radio. We're going to be hearing from Kelly O'Neill of First San Francisco Partners, John Morell of Datamir, Harold Smith of SyncSort, Boris Chaplin of Calabrio, and Adam Weinstein of Cursor Data. Not necessarily in that order, but uh, we're going to dive right in. The topic is how data changes the CXO roles. So we have new roles. We have Chief Data Officer. We have Chief Analytics Officer. We have Chief Information Security Officer. We have Chief Transformation Officer is one of the new titles I'm hearing about, uh, which is very interesting. And this all speaks to how much data affects the business. You notice all of those roles are geared around data. The transformation person is probably more focused on operations, but using data. The Chief Data Officer, obviously, is all about data. Chief Analytics Officer, all about analytics. Uh, the Chief Information Security Officer, all about information. So data is everywhere. It's changing businesses. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So quick nod to our partner, Dataversity. Hop online to dataversity.net for all the latest in this fast-moving world of data management and data-driven business, the information economy. It's all around us. So with that, let's bring in Kelly O'Neill of First San Francisco Partners. Kelly, tell us a bit about yourself, your company, and how you see data changing the CXO role. Great. Thanks, Eric. So my name is Kelly O'Neill, and I'm the CEO of First San Francisco Partners. We are an information management consulting organization, and we work a lot in the C-suite on this topic. So I'm really excited to talk with uh, yourself, Eric, and our um, other folks on the line here because data really has invaded the C-suite. And, in fact, it's invading the boardroom, which I also, also think is interesting, and I'll mention that as well. But I think that there's three main changes to life in the C-suite. Number one, the C-levels need to be data savvy. Number two, there's new roles sitting at the table. Eric, you just rattled off a slew of new C-level titles. And number three, decision approaches are more data-centric. So kind of what do all of those things mean? Okay, well, C-levels need to be data savvy. Data is everywhere. It is uh, increasing the amount of data that organizations have. Organizations are increasing the amount of data they produce. So it is everywhere. So that all C-level executives need to understand what data means to the rest of their organization. So within their line of business, how does data help them? How does it hurt them? Where does it help them understand risk? Where does it create risk? They need to be considering these things, and they need to understand that data is a shared asset in the organization and that they should be willing to be a trustee of data in their line of business as well as an arbiter and a negotiator across lines of business as data pertains to them and their organization. And they need to yeah, be that's... looking out for opportunities. Go ahead, Eric. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a very, very good point. So I mean, when you advise your customers, how do you figure out which role is appropriate? Because you don't want too many chiefs and not enough Indians, as the old saying goes, or too many chefs spoiling the stew. How do you figure out whether you add a CAO, a CDO, a CISO, or whatever the case may be? 
Right. And I think that it, it always ties back to what is the biggest, what is the business strategy and the biggest competitive differentiator of that company in the first place. So we always go back to what are you trying to accomplish? And then where do you see your gaps and where do you see your needs? You know, usually companies start with a chief data officer because without good data as part of the data supply chain, a chief analytics officer is less successful. So we do see that as a general trend. Um, but it may be that data is in a really good shape without a CDO or a chief data officer. So therefore, the uh, analytics component needs greater attention. So it just mm-hmm. it does all depend. And you know, there's also a new role of a chief digital officer, right? Mm-hmm. So that's another type of CDO. I was kind of laughing that we need to uh, standardize <laughs> on our titles here as much as we need to standardize on anything else. Um, but oh, you're right; yeah. it impacts organizational development, and it organizations are becoming much more matrixed and networked and less hierarchical because there are gray. Um, areas in between all of these different roles. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think you're exactly right. We are becoming more matrix, less hierarchical, and I think that's a good thing, right? I think it's good because top down, bottom up, those are only two directions. What you really want is a multi-directional dynamic in your organization, right? Absolutely. You want collaboration. You want to do it with minimal duplication of effort, but you want collaboration. And I think that people's uh, capabilities and their willingness to collaborate. And if I look at kind of the way that people are learning, the way that universities are teaching people, I mean, it is becoming a much more collaborative world anyway. I don't think, I think the hierarchical models are becoming outdated um, and that people are more inclined to be uh, involved in a networked model that has less clarity, but it has more opportunity. Yeah, that's a really good point. And you gave me an excellent segue to collaboration. We've got Boris Chaplin on the line from a company called Calabrio. So, Boris, just quickly tell us about your company and then how you see data changing the CXO roles. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Eric. Thanks, everyone. Good afternoon. So, I'm Boris Chaplin. I'm the product manager of analytics and business intelligence at Calabrio here based in Minneapolis. Uh, who we are, Calabrio is a workforce optimization and customer engagement software. And the easiest way to imagine, it's very very specific terminology, but the easiest way to imagine who we are is next time you call into the contact center or call center and you hear a message, this audio will be recorded for quality purposes, well, we are that software. We are recording all of the interactions, all of the phone calls between the customers and the contact center. In addition to that, we provide the full suite of products, including um, scheduling and forecasting of the call volumes for the agents, uh, as well as interactions analytics, which is what I'm going to be talking about today. And the transformation we see uh, with our customer base and with our market is that the data generated through the contact centers is becoming a gold mine for everybody, including the CXOs, to better understand the customers that, uh, and to better understand the value of the customer, the customer preferences, the customer satisfaction and sentiment around the customer. And customer journey, uh, it starts with the contact center, and that's the kind of the, the solutions and technologies we are providing uh, for 
basically any organization of any vertical. And can you tell me a bit about what you're able to glean from the audio? Can you cause can you do sentiment analysis basically and figure out, uh oh, we got a hot one, this person's pissed and it's a high value customer and then do skill path routing to get your top notch person on the phone to, to manage that step into the world of power, loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Process or how does that work? Yep, exactly, exactly as you as you suggested. Um, we are able to do through very advanced speech analytics and speech recognition. We're able to understand kind of the tone, the sentiment, the 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 intention of the customer, and we can we can certainly channel that customer to the appropriate uh, to the appropriate contact contact center representative to to help that customer. Conversely, um, we can also understand better uh, the, the, the customer sentiment and then the customer journey altogether, which allows us to uh, allows our companies to serve those customers in much better ways. Yeah, that, that's fantastic intel because you are getting to know the customer. It's all about personalization these days. And I think that's a decent segue to bring in John Morell from Datamere because you guys were really one of the first big data analytics companies out there, kind of providing that business intelligence-type feel to classic big data. Tell us a bit about the latest of Data Mirror and how you see data changing the CXO role. Right. So, um, so uh, yeah, we've, we've been around for a little while now, and really what we help organizations do is better prepare and manage their data for their analytics. So rather than having to wait for a lot of the um, data engineers and the IT people to deliver data down to, to the analysts, the analysts themselves can come in, get into a repository of, of data pipelines and a repository of data sets that have been curated for them, and then even merge and work with the data themselves to create even custom data sets, and then be able to speed up their analytics because they have faster access to all of this data. Now, um, and so, and, and that's really um, what I think is changing a lot of the role of the CXO, right? Because the CXO is really trying to facilitate all of their decisions to become more data-driven. And so um, uh, the CXO really, is a, when it comes down to this, needs to focus, in my opinion, on three things, right? One is, it is be a leader, right? So turn around and take control and be an executive sponsor of all of the initiatives that can help better produce analytics and produce data that the rest of their organization can use, right? So um, they, should, they should really become, as I like to say, as the CSO or the chief sponsorship officer. Get actively involved and make sure that the organization is really getting the data that they need, and if not, facilitate other projects that are going to make that happen. Um, well, secondly, that back to that. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, and then secondly, you know, the, 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 the CXO really needs to be able to really work with data, right? And, and so make sure the rest of their organization is effectively using that data, whether that's in day-to-day decisions and really making data an essential part of everything that they do, but it's also in and around 
how can they transform their organization? Because if the data tells you to do things differently, then cultivate a culture, right, that can really align the strategy and how the organization executes based on what that data is telling you and facilitate sort of like that trust in the data. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, we're back to Kelly's issue of disambiguation around acronyms, right, because CFO, uh, well, Chief Strategy Officer, right, that was one of the first <laughs> ones to kind of change the dynamic, right, because let's face it, you have CIO, CFO, uh, CEO, and that was, you were COO, and that was about it for a lot of years. And the first, well, I think, one that come along with the Strategy Officer, but now they're just, it's all over the map, Chief Transformation Officer. And I think that it gets a little bit, uh, much at a certain point, but this does really, again, speak to how significantly things are changing in the business world, right, and how big a role data plays in that, right, John? Uh, you're exactly right, right, and so all of these, um, and then you go to some of the, you know, the, the CDOs, the CAOs, and all of some of their newer roles, and, um, you know, and that shows the importance of data, Throughout, you know, in the, the the need to be able to better use data and analytics throughout the organization, and the importance that a CEO, the guy at the top, right, or the woman at the top, um, how much they place importance on that, right? If if the CEO is going to turn around and create a role that is a CAO and a CDO, well, then that means they're placing a tremendous amount of importance on data and analytics and how the organization should use it. And that's a sign, right? That's a sign directly from the top that that's what the, the organization should be doing. Yeah, that's a really good point. And let's go around the room here for our last couple of guests. We have Adam Weinstein of Cursor Data waiting in the wings out there. Adam, tell us a bit about Cursor Data, what you folks do, and how you see data changing these CSO roles. Sure. Thanks, thanks Eric. Uh, yeah, my name's Adam Weinstein. Uh, lead a startup called Cursor in San Francisco. We offer a search and analytics hub that's designed to help uh, collaboration between, as we call them, analysts or data users and uh, business users. And it's fascinating, I think, that you know collaboration has kind of looked like a theme here throughout uh, sort of the intro role here, and um, as it's really what we started the business to do, right, to help improve cross-functional collaboration. Uh, it's, a, it's a challenge that we saw at LinkedIn. Uh, you know, we, we scaled quite a bit in the data realm, and I guess to the point, I think we were producing literally a trillion events of data uh, a day around the business, and there was this challenge where departmental data needs. So, you know, the head of our CMO or our head of sales uh, had sort of one set of needs that oftentimes, I wouldn't say conflicted, but, um, you know, ran up against the desire to centralize and control data um, and, and, and that unified oversight that a CDO or a CISO provided. And so you had this sort of bifurcation of goals where, hey, I'm a marketer and I need to lead, you know, I need to move fast and I'm a chief data officer and I just need to make sure that things are organized in a way that helps the business in the long run. Um, and that fragmentation of knowledge and, and sort of efforts um, became, you know, a challenge. And so Cursor helps helps create, you know, visibility across the organization. But but I also think that you know that uh, that 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 sort of uh, you know rub is, is healthy. And, and it, like Kelly mentioned, uh, you know, org shape is important. And, and uh, you know how we think about not just our own goals as a particular functional lead, but also the organizational goals uh, is something that's that's important as as data becomes more and more transparent across an organization. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. And I think it's really wonderful what you're focused on trying to enable, A, collaboration, but B, use and really reuse, right? Because a lot of time gets spent in organizations reinventing wheels, and the, the, much, the, the better you can control that, A, the better your governance becomes, but B, the better your analytics and just your use of data, right? 
it's exactly right. Yeah, we, you know, the, the, the sales and marketing can look at things in a vacuum is, is well, it's never been the case, but it's, it's definitely no longer the case. Uh, you know, everyone's activities influences somebody else. And so if you've got uh, folks that are looking at data and, and not necessarily thinking about the, the overall company goal or that someone else might be using the same thing for a different reason, um, you're, you know, you're, you're not doing the company any benefit. Uh, and so that's, that's, that's sort of our goal here is create code that can be reused, create, you know, data deliverables, right, whether it be dashboards or otherwise that can be reused. Um, and, and provide visibility to those to those that might need them, um, but in a secure, permissive way. That's great stuff. And last but certainly not least, we have uh, Al Smith from SyncSort out there. Tell us a bit about what you guys are doing. A lot of cool stuff happening at SyncSort, a lot of acquisitions in the fairly recent past over the last couple of years. And you guys have really put together a pretty interesting end-to-end solution for, for the data management space. Tell us a bit about what you guys are doing and how you see data changing the CXO role. Sure, Eric. Uh, uh, this is Harold Smith, uh, Director of Product Management at SyncSort. And, and as you said, I mean, it's been very exciting here. I mean, SyncSort is really a global leader in what we traditionally call sort of big iron to big data solutions. But it really encompasses a lot more than that. It's like, how do I get all this rich data that I've collected in all my operational systems? And, and you know, certainly mainframe is... Big Iron is a very classic part of that, but also uh, the IBM i-series and even you know a lot of the traditional warehouses. How do I get that information out to my big data platform, my data lake, and really be able to leverage that and, and make sure that you know it has the right availability, we have the right access, we have the right capacity to do that. There's a lot of capabilities that, that come into play here. But certainly the, the data integration, replication, data quality is really at the forefront of how do I ensure trust in my my data? Because that's really central to what a lot of these CXO roles are doing. Yeah, interesting, I was, I was commenting uh, uh, before, just right now as we're talking, the MIT CDO conference is going on, and that was really one of the first to really kick off uh, discussions around the CDO. And we've seen that really blossom from something that was very focused on uh, the CDO as sort of a, a specialist in data governance. How do I address these governance mandates? Uh, somewhat defensive in, in that sense, you know, making sure I'm addressing policy risk around data. But it's really transformed into this data has value. How are we going to leverage this? How are we potentially going to monetize this? Or, you know, just treat it as the core asset of, of what we're doing in business. And that, I think, really reflects what, you know, Kelly was talking about in terms of, you know, being able to make, you know, the C-levels data savvy, even our board of directors data savvy. But it's more than that. That CDO is becoming, you know, the, the core for being able to drive data literacy uh, and that sort of data savvy all the way through the organization. So it, it really becomes uh, kind of central to the organization to have a data strategy that they can then drive and, and facilitate a lot of the other business decisions. Yeah, I think that makes a whole lot of sense. I think we just got a really nice set of perspectives on how data is changing the CXO role. And let's face it, the bottom line is, it's changing the CXO roles. It's changing the C-suite, and just increasingly, you're going to see every member of that board, every member of the um, of the, the C-suite, the senior executives in the company, had better understand data, had better understand the importance of data, the importance of what you just mentioned, Harold, of trust in your data, and then just across that spectrum, whether it's analytics getting baked into business processes, 
for data use to make strategic decisions for the business. Whatever the case may be, data is driving the modern enterprise, and you need everyone on your C-suite to really understand and appreciate that. And I believe we have to go to break now, so I'm going to get right back. You're listening to VM Radio. It's one of the two best times of the year for news writers who can now kick up their feet and know New Year's and Fourth of July, I can already write the article and fill in the names later. Shots fired where they never should be next on Dan's Life. Think you've got a good radio show idea? Gab Radio Network can help you with your podcast or radio show. Find out more by emailing sales at gabradionetwork.com. That's sales at gabradionetwork.com. On the 4th of July earlier this month, I was ready to watch the show. By the best count I can muster with my staff of one, at least over a dozen people were treated across the country for wounds suffered when gunshots were fired into the air, and those bullets descended back down to the earth into the arms, legs, feet, fingers, heads, chests, and backs of unsuspecting revelers who sat or stood on their picnic blankets below. After decades of public service articles, statements, social media posts, and commercials warning against this type of behavior, why do people still do this? It's because there are people who just cannot be reached, who are just too dumb or too self-involved or too sociopathic to cast aside dangerous activities that ruin the lives of others. We're not alone in our stupidity in this exercise. In large parts of Central Asia and the Middle East, if you are anywhere near a wedding, you may just want to crawl under a bulletproof umbrella when the groom kisses the bride. Like news for you? Find out more on Facebook. Go to Facebook at French and Friends. That's at French and Friends. Ben Franklin almost had it all right. When asked about his feelings on whether the Constitution could be made a permanent fixture in this American life, he said, quote, In this world, nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes, end quote. I will add, and that stupid, selfish people will always do stupid and selfish things, despite knowing those things are stupid and selfish. This is Dan's life. Welcome back to DM Radio. Here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh. Ladies and gentlemen, back here on DM Radio from the road. I'm out at OSCON today at the Open Source Conference, learning about how the world of enterprise IT is changing. And, you know, at the same time, we have this tremendous transformation occurring in the business. It's changing the C-suite. We heard from all of our guests a minute ago. And Kelly O'Neill for San Francisco Partners, I'll bring you back in. You know, the real bottom line here is changing decision processes, right, or injecting those processes with data and analytics. Can you kind of talk about how the process of making decisions in business is changing because of data? Absolutely. So I think we have more data available to make decisions, and then the the guidelines around data usage are influencing decisions. So I think that those are kind of two lenses to put on it. So we had talked in the first segment about how all of the C-suite needs to be more data savvy. So what data do I have? How do I monetize my data? But then the regulatory environment around data uh, also changes the way that we think about um, and make decisions. So, you know, we all know that um, privacy and security breaches will get you in the headlines faster than blowing out your quarterly right. earnings. So, right? <laughs> so, but how does that impact other decisions? So if we think about GDPR, which was the last radio show that I was on, um, 
those guidelines around privacy and security ultimately impact what, say, the chief marketing officer is thinking about. Because It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It changes the way that you engage with your customers. It changes the data that you gather from your customers. It changes the way that you process that data. So these conversations aren't just with, say, a a CISO. It is the chief information security uh, officer plus the chief marketing officer plus the chief analytics officer because it may be that they're doing something to mask the data to ensure that the analytics are acceptable, et cetera, et cetera. Right, so it changes this discussion and the way the decisions are made within that C-suite. Yeah, no, that's a really, really good point. And let's kind of jump around the room here a bit um, and, and see how we can dive into that topic a bit more. And I guess I'll bring in uh, Boris Chaplin from Calabrio. In the fact that you guys are out there recording all these conversations, can you talk a bit about the policy for using that information? Because Obviously, you've told the person this conversation might be recorded. How do you see the rules around retaining that information, retaining that call record, vis-a-vis these new regulations like GDPR and the California Privacy Act? Is that something that's on your radar, or how do you deal with that? Yeah, absolutely. That's been a really hot topic for us in, in the last you know, few months, absolutely. Um, and it's, it varies by industry, as, as, you, as you said. It varies geographically as well, U.S. versus uh, European Union, completely different set of rules. So we had to uh, put a strategy together, how we w- were to address uh, that exact challenge. And uh, we have – our solution is very flexible. You can have very different retention policies by tenants for a cloud offer. Um, we have a very flexible set of rules and, and permissions and in, in, um, in retention and how – we follow the procedures to cleaning the data after the retention. What can we keep? What can't we keep? Uh, expand into PCI compliance, obviously, as well. So, yeah, absolutely. That's been a very hot topic for us. Kind of like uh, Surveillance was, you know, 10, 15 years back. This, this, it's coming into our world as well, absolutely. Yeah, and, and I guess I'll bring in um, Harold Smith again here from SyncSource. You know, again, you guys have this very interesting perspective now from what trying to think what you call it, big metal to big data or something like that. Yep. You've got that yep. whole big iron spectrum. Big data. Right, yeah. and the big iron, big data. And, and you, know, you have the data quality stuff, too, right? Because Absolutely. quality is such an important part of building trust, of fostering trust, and of enabling good decision-making. I have to think that the quality is going to be in the crosshairs of some of these regulations at some point, if not already, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, quality is really central. But it, one of the things that I really find interesting, and, and we see this in terms of the, uh, you know, the chief marketing officers, the chief data officers that we're we're engaging with on these topics, is that you know the the quality is not just about okay, here here's a, a data source, and now let me understand you know the particular implications of this you know individual source or whatever. You know, I have to be thinking about you know, is there data bias? 
in here? You know, what, what's actually, you know, the, the origin of this source? Is this something I can trust, or has this come from some third party that, you know, I'm, I'm really not sure about? So all these critical decisions are coming into play, and, and you really think about, you know, the chief data officer has to be able to understand all these particular pieces and be able to communicate these aspects of data down into the organization. Because, you know, the chief marketing officer, for instance, is actually, you know, enabling a lot of data teams in his organization and being able to say, okay, well, I need to be able to, you know, take this information, simplify my customer experience. I have to drive better digital engagement. I want to deepen my relationships. You know, these are all critical business drivers. You know, this is what's going to help drive revenue, customer retention. That's critical. But if I don't understand a lot of these aspects to the data, then I could be exposing the company to risks that I, I don't know anything about. I could have, you know, poor data coming up to me you know, in terms of making some of my decisions. So this whole aspect of really being able to make everybody – not only at the sea level, but kind of down below, literate, data savvy, and understand how to sh share some of these insights, how to collaborate, how to bring these pieces to bear across the organization really becomes critical to an organization's success. Mm -hmm. No, I, I completely agree with that. And I guess uh, I'll bring Adam Weinstein back in from Cursor. You, know, you came out of LinkedIn, right, which is one of these sort of next-generation, data-born companies. And I think it's very exciting to watch as this wave of folks come out of those organizations and start new companies, like look at um, Jay Krebs, for example, from Confluent now. They actually yeah. built Kafka, which was the engine that ran LinkedIn, right? So we're, we're seeing folks come out of these large organizations because you guys saw a whole new set of problems at scale, of challenges at scale, and I think that's what's so interesting about this development because now you can go out into the world and start these other companies to focus on the little niche problems that you saw when you were at these big organizations, right? No, that's exactly right. Um, like you think of a really basic problem like, hey, I'm a CMO. I want to go to my advertising agency and have them run a campaign of some sort. Um, you know, when you're doing that in your you know, small local business, it's, it's one form of a problem. But when you're doing it at web scale with 500 million potential you know, audience members, um, how you take ownership of that data, you know, track attribution to any sort of sales engagement. And for us, it's usually not a human involved. If someone's coming to, say, purchase a LinkedIn premium subscription, um, how does a, you know, a, a display ad come back and tie to success or actually a person converting? Um, and, and, and doing that at scale successfully is, is a greater challenge, right? You don't only have to have, you know, your own problems in mind as, as a marketer, but you also have to have empathy for the sales organization, for the customer success organization, um, and, and you know, sort of looking beyond uh, what, what, what is sort of your immediate need of just you know, driving revenue or driving uh, potential engagement. Um, so it's, it's, you're exactly right. The, the, the scale of problems is increasing, and um, you know, to some extent the fragmentation of data is also increasing because there's phenomenal tooling out there that solves you know, very point problems, uh, but, but they don't all talk to one another. And so how you as a, as a you know, CXO think about how do I bring all this together and do so for the benefit of the organization? Um, and for that matter, you know, have people that need access to it, you know, have access to it or at least have visibility to it. Um, you, you have to have more and more technical uh, or more and more technical lens on the problems that you're trying to solve. Yeah, that's a great quote right there. I'm going to try to remember to write that one down. 
you'll need a more and more technical lens to solve these problems. That's very true. And you, you keep, a lot of people have brought up the CMO, and I think that's a great topic to dive into a bit further because, let's face it, a lot of these privacy concerns revolve around personal data, and there's a, a bit of a conundrum here. And, and uh, John Morell for Data Mirror, I'll bring you back in. The conundrum is that people want personalized services, but then some of those folks get worried about companies seeing too much of their personal data. Well, you can't really pick one. You can't have both, right? You have to pick one or the other. Or do you want personalization or do you want privacy? And, and I think probably more people are on that personalization side. What do you think, John? Well, um, that, that specifically is tough to say, right? I, I hear from just friends, you know, both sides of the argument um, from, from a consumer side of it. But, but the other thing is um, if somebody wants to opt in and yet at the same time keep their data private, um, organizations have the ability to do that. Right, so you know we, we work with a lot of big banks. We work with a lot of um, healthcare insurers. We work with a lot of telecom firms, and they're sort of at the center of all this. How do I mix data privacy with providing better personalized services? Um, Aetna is a customer of ours who now, by the way, is merging in with CVS and. Boy, they are certainly at the center of the storm wow. here. Um, also have regulatory uh, requirements and other things, right? But yet, they want to be able to have somebody who comes into a CVS be able to do maybe some of the things that their insurance records say, you know, maybe you should do this next time you stop into a CVS. You're wow. taking or this or that, right? So, um, so, so it certainly is a fine line, but the nice thing is, is all the tools are available to help an organization to do this, all the governance, all the data security, the data encryption, the obfuscation, the ability to monitor how data is used, um, even all the way down to a personal level. So the tools are there so that if an organization wants to work in that zone to really help people yet at the same time maintain that data privacy, they can do it. Yeah. And I'll bring you back in, Kelly O'Neill, with First San Francisco Partners. I always love to learn from consultants and from software vendors. I think you talk to those folks, talk to the vendors, and, of course, talk to the end users. You can stitch together a picture of what's actually happening out there. And I think um, John just made some interesting points. One, that, that the tools are out there, but not everyone has all the best tools, right? Like, you really have to go with what you've got internally. And uh, I'm here at the Open Source Conference, as I mentioned, at Oscon. There's some really interesting things happening with companies trying to enable organizations to migrate from traditional closed source systems and software to a more open source world. And you know, that would seem to be a positive development in terms of transparency, right? Because if you have closed source software and you're an auditor and you're trying to understand how something got done, well, it's going to be a lot harder than it would be if you have open source software, at least to a knowledgeable person. But what do you think about that, and how do you see uh, data and the open source movement kind of changing the CXO roles? So I think the the, the kind of the open source movement, the cloud movement, movement all has the similar sorts of implications in the sense that uh, there's a lack of uh, control because things are no longer on-prem and in-house. Uh, data is highly fluid. In fact, it is the fluid <laughs> that runs across all of these sorts of products. And I think that, you know, we will never be short of new and innovative products. That's what we do. I live in Silicon Valley. That's our lifeblood, right? 
And so it's up to these organizations to figure out how to stitch them all together and how not to lock themselves into architectures and approaches that will limit them as they go forward and as they grow. And this truly is where the play of an open source or cloud solutions can enable these organizations to be more nimble. Um, that ability to be more nimble means they can pick and choose these products more easily, which means that from a product perspective, there's less loyalty. Uh, but data really is the glue that stitches all of these different products together, and people still need to look at that data separate from the applications and the tools because that is what they want to rate, retain versus living with the tools forever. Mm, that's a very good point. And, you know, as we move to this cloud-enabled world, and it's clearly where we're going, I guess maybe Harold will bring you back in on this, I, there's another concern, which is, well, where is that data actually going? Like, how can you ensure to me that your my data in your cloud is going to be secure? And what was it? Uh, we had a show on cloud, I guess it was last year, and one of the experts said, yeah, it's a shared responsibility model. And that's one of those uh, political terms, because from my perspective, shared responsibility means it ain't shared at all. It's your responsibility as the end user, because the cloud vendor is going to say, well, we were secure, but you let something into your instance of our cloud that shouldn't have been there. But, uh, Harold, what do you think about that? What do you think about the responsibility of protecting data in this cloud-enabled world and this whole so-called shared responsibility model? Well, I, I think you really have to embrace it. I mean, you know, vendors providing cloud environments have to embrace it. You know, it's important to be able to uh, represent out to your customers that you are providing, you know, a, a, a service that is – you know, that they have confidence in, that they can trust. And, you know, similarly, the customer engaging, you know, w with a provider of, of cloud capabilities has a responsibility around the data. You know, they're the ones who understand, you know, what is actually being put out into that, that cloud environment. You know, it, you know so it, it is very much a mutual interaction. This really becomes sort of, you know, the cloud is sort of a, an infrastructure platform, you know, from that perspective, you know, you can put almost anything out there. Do you want to put, you know, particular pieces of information out there? You may. And, and we do see uh, increasingly a lot of our customers, you know, saying, I want to move my data warehouse out to the cloud. I want to move my data lake out to the cloud. And we need to understand, you know, what are the parameters around that. And it is really a joint engagement to ensure that, you know, governance you know, is maintained there, uh, that security, availability, those are all key pieces of that process. Yeah, that's a really good point. It really is. Uh, and it, it kind of forces us to pay attention to what we're doing and where we're going, and we'll pick this up after. You really need to get um, new strategies around this stuff to better understand how data is changing business and how it's changing the landscape. And with that, we're going to go to break here in just a second. You are listening to DM Radio.
Do you have a great idea for a radio show but have no idea where to start? Or have you been hosting a podcast for a while and want to take it to the next level? If so, you need the Gab Radio Network. To host a show on the Gab Radio Network, all you need is your voice, and we'll handle the rest. From technical engineering to full-service audio production and much more. Every show on the Gab Radio Network can be heard on our station on the TuneIn Radio app. Plus, we put all our shows on our satellite, which is accessed by 5,500 stations. And here's the best part. You can host from anywhere you want. There are many means to connect to the Gab Radio Network remotely, and our staff of highly trained engineers and producers will make you sound like you're right here in studio. So, if you want to be on the Gab Radio Network, the same network that hosts the Small Business Advocate, Radio MD, and Talking Pets, send an email right now to sales at gabradionetwork.com. That's sales at gabradionetwork.com. If you run a large corporation, small business, or anything in between, you need ads to help get the word out. A full page in the newspaper sounds good. A TV spot sounds even better. But let's face it, newspapers are essentially last-minute wrapping paper, and a TV spot is just expensive and basically code for bathroom break. Talk radio is different. Commercials cost practically nothing to produce, and the listeners are loyal. They like what they like, and they stay tuned in. When they hear about a new product or service during their favorite show, they can't wait to try it out for themselves so they can talk about it with their friends. And you know how radio listeners like to talk. If you want to add radio to your marketing portfolio, you need the Gab Radio Network. Gab Radio is the team of full-service experts you've been looking for, from writing to production, distribution, voiceover, and more. We make sure your spots are paired with the right shows in the right markets at the right time of day so the right people can hear. Since we're in over 100 markets across 34 states, Canada, and American Samoa, I'd say it's a pretty good place to start. If you want to know more, just email sales at gabradionetwork.com. That's sales at gabradionetwork.com. Welcome back to DM Radio. Here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh. All right, folks, back here at DM Radio on the road today on my cell phone, which is always a bit tenuous here, doing the show from the OSCON conference, which is all about open source. And open source really has revolutionized enterprise IT in very deep and foundational and fundamental ways. And our guests know a bit thing or two about that. Let me bring Adam Weinstein back in from Cursor. How do you see open source changing the fabric of enterprise IT and changing ultimately the nature of CXO role? Yeah, no, it's, it's a fascinating question. I mean, I think Silicon Valley tends to have this uh, build over buy attitude approach to to most things, and and there's probably a, a happy middle between that and you know I would say is the traditional enterprise and you know living in a, a Oracle and SAP and IBM and HP ecosystem where. Things are very, uh, you know, closed off, but you kind of have one vendor to turn to for most answers. Um, there's a company out there called Uptake, uh, based in Chicago, that, you know, their whole philosophy when they started the business, it's the two co-founders of Groupon that did it, was take the, you know, 10, 20, 100 million dollars that you're spending with your, your uh, you know, SAP Oracle of the world, rip and replace it with, you know, talented labor and open source software, and we'll build you something that's, you know, tailored to your business. And I think that's, there's, there's something powerful there uh, that will play out in the coming years. And the challenge is, is, you know, talent and labor to help support that. And do you have enough folks to take something that's relatively raw in some sense in, in open source software that's intended to solve all things to all people and uh, to tailor it to fit your business and, and to, to have the sort of enterprise controls that, you know, that the large ecosystems have. And, um, you know, that's to some extent where Silicon Valley can offer solutions, and, and, or for that matter, just software vendors can. 
they can they can be you know an in between and open source and, and other. Um, but there, there's there's certainly something that open source is doing in, in a positive way. Yeah, that's a really really good point, and that's good intel. In fact, I have to look these guys up because we are at this precipice. I think we're over the precipice now, frankly. And what's happening is companies need to reinvent their enterprise IT stack. There's so much innovation going on, whether it's Kubernetes or serverless architectures or whatever the case may be. But this time is the time to focus on how to manage that change. And I think, I hope, open source is going to play a big role in there. Of course, it's not a fait accompli, as the French would say. It's not a done deal that open source is going to remain such a juggernaut. You have big closed-source vendors still doing their closed-source thing, which is fine. But uh, Kelly O'Neill, maybe I'll bring you back in. How, how do you see open-source changing IT and changing the CXO role? So I'd like to actually throw out there an idea around how open-source applies to data and data sources. So in the same way that there is an open-source development trend, there is also a lot of open data available for people. And uh, you can bring it back to open source, Eric, it's up to you, but I think that there is that equivalent when we're talking about how data changes the CXO rule. That's something to really consider. You can get a lot of data, sometimes for free, sometimes you have to pay for it, sometimes it's inappropriate, sometimes you shouldn't <laughs> be using it and your people shouldn't be using it, right? But you can, there is that, that concept around open data is also a massive trend and that's going to, I think, also continue just like open source. And so those decisions around um, the ethical decision to use data comes into the C-suite. We really haven't talked about that much, but just a, another topic people are going to need to consider and be willing to debate and take a stand on, right, which didn't necessarily come up quite so much around data ethics before. Yeah, no, that's an excellent point uh, because there is a lot of data out there. There's a lot of data that's publicly available, like Facebook and right. all Analytica, or not, I'm sorry, and, uh, Cambridge Analytica. Um, that that whole thing blew up well. They weren't the only ones doing I can tell you that. <laughs> a lot of other companies uh, involved in harnessing that data and using that data, but it, it's still the Wild West here in the U.S., at least to a certain degree, but I think we are going to see now with that California Privacy Act uh, some significant changes. So let's kind of keep going around the room maybe and see how these things are going to change, get some advice from our guest, uh, Boris Chaplin from Calabria. Tell us a bit about you know, how you see the future and how are you suggesting to your clients that they make changes to, to use data to more effectively run their company? Yeah, absolutely. Um uh, the, the the transformation we certainly see in 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 our with our customers and especially in the world of CXO is that uh, it's the sheer amount of data that has been generated and the necessity for the tools and solutions to be able to process all of the data and make sense out of it, make it uh, structured, make it intelligible, make it actionable, and uh, and that's really the, the that that's really the direction that we're seeing. Um, the, the companies are taking. Um, they want to be able to make the decisions based on the data. That, that's obvious. But um, at, at the same time, the, the decisions that they, that they want to make are not just based on the data alone, right? It's the people, it's the process, it's all of it tied together. Um, and they want to be able to help through that process. Uh, over are the days when you can start throwing a dashboard and report over to the uh, to the. 
to the chief you know, marketing officer and say, hey, uh, take a look at this and tell me what you think. You have to be able to have the solutions and the tools around it to guide the persona or the, your customer through the decision making. Make recommendations, make, make suggestions, make them have the data work for you and um, assess the risks uh, and the benefits of making certain decisions. And that's what we see with, at Calabria and that's what we see in, in our market. Okay, good. And uh, Harold Smith from SyncSort, I'll bring you back in too. You know, I think we are in this world of accessible data. It's just everywhere. And getting back to that trust issue, if you buy third-party data, you really do have to pay close attention to its quality and to its origin. And, you know, frankly, if you're dealing with uh, someone who has European customers, then you really, really need to understand what the origin was and what the lineage was. Uh, but if you have that, if you have that in place and you're confident, then you could do amazing things by synthesizing a picture of someone from data you have and data you got from the outside world, right? Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, that's, you know, such a central part of it. You have a tremendous range of legacy information at your hand. You have to be able to leverage that. As Kelly said, there's a tremendous range of open data out there. You have to be able to understand how that was gathered. You have to make sure there's no biases and stuff or that may, you know, send you down a completely wrong path. But you, you, you want to bring this stuff together. Legacy information, open data. Take advantage of the you know the cloud environments. Take advantage of some of the open source. Be able to leverage this, but also recognize that you know, your CXOs cannot do this alone. They have to empower their organizations and put the tools in place and processes and the knowledge to help everybody in the organization understand what's involved with this data and how they can make better business decisions. Mm-hmm. No, that's a very good point. And uh, John Morell from Data Mayor, I'll bring you back into this equation. You know, again, data is everywhere. It's all over the place. It's going to be all over the place. Uh, what do you see from your client base about using open data sets? And obviously, there's some geo stuff. There's lots of different data sets you can buy. You know, there's all sorts of demographic data. Is that a trend that you're seeing increase out there to get a better picture of the customer? John, are you on mute? Yes, we definitely see that. So, um, and 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 part of the key reason is just organizations are just looking for every possible way to better understand their customers, and um, using this data and it can help them deliver better services, et cetera. But 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 a lot of this comes back to the the privacy and governance issue, right? And that's why a lot these organizations that are going to do this really need to have a very strong yet flexible governance program in place. It, it's, you know, I talked earlier about you know, a fine line, right? Um, governance is, is also something that really holds a fine line within the organization. If it's too tight, then you're not able to get some of the value out of the data that you want. If it's too loose, things can go, go south and go in the wrong direction. So it's really something that the organization needs to work together to better understand how they want to use the data, effectively use the data, but yet stay in compliance and everything else. And it's, um, it requires a very solid program and a lot of collaboration throughout the organization, both on the, so the data owners as well as the, the business people that want to use it. Yep, no, that makes a lot of sense. And, and Adam Weinstein of uh, Cursor, I'll bring you back in real quick. Just because I'm really impressed with what you all built at LinkedIn, 
It's a wonderful tool, and I always joke that uh, it used to be called the Who's Who directory, and that has disappeared. But LinkedIn <laughs> did such a great job of capturing all this business information, right? It's very focused. I think that's one of the keys is this focus, and that helps people find the right business people to network with and to work with. So I bet you learned a lot of cool lessons over there, right? Yeah, I learned a lot of lessons. I mean, I think targeting, uh, and, and if you're a marketer in this day and age, it's, it's become such a different art, right? There's uh, a free flow of information, whether it's through LinkedIn or even other sources out on the Internet. Um, knowing who your target buyer is, is is the easy part these days. How you get them to pick up the phone, engage, convince them that your product is the right solution for them, um, that narrative is, is really where the problem is these days. Uh, you know, Everyone's inbox gets everyone's product trying to sell them. And so... Uh, LinkedIn's become a, a little bit of a, a funnel in a good way, right? Trying to help uh, distill what's 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 real and what's not, um, and, and I think that's that's a good thing. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, and I, I see that all the time. I get people trying to sell me things, but I know that I try to sell things too, so I don't get too upset about it. But this does bring up a whole new set of really ethical questions, I think, and we all have to be mindful. You mentioned empathy. Uh, earlier in, in a different segment, and you see that all over the place. Um, over at uh, SAP, Bill McDermott, he was talking about empathy last year, and it is important. If you want to succeed in the business going forward, and I think all CXOs and everyone below needs to keep this in mind, you want to bake that empathy into your mindset, and you want to remind yourself that privacy is important, that personalization is important, but we need to be mindful of our fellow men, our fellow women out there, and to do the right thing. This segment of programming sponsored by CyberTime Network Communications. How's your internet? Feeling boxed in with the high costs of the internet? Ready for a better internet service? Then you're ready for CyberTime. Yes, there's an alternative to those big corporate internet service providers. It's CyberTime Network Communications. CyberTime is so good, they provide all the connectivity for this radio station. Crisp, cool, fast and sleek. CyberTime uses the latest leading-edge microwave technology. No wires, no cables, no sharing, and they're able to offer clients a safe, reliable, public or private network that fits almost any budget size. And several cities rely on CyberTime's microwave private network for their most critical mission applications. Get connected. Stay connected. Get smart. Get CyberTime. You can Google, text, or call CyberTime Network Communications at 909-795-9559. That's 909-795-9559. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, K292FQ Riverside, and K293CF Moreno Valley.